So we will be in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Before we stand to read, uh, just another prelude again. We talked about the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection, and the ascension. Um, And this whole volume, the whole volume of Luke was written as an account of Jesus' life. And Acts is written as an account of the Holy Spirit. And with Jesus dying, raising again, when we accept Jesus into our lives, that is not the end of our spiritual journey. There is the Holy Spirit, these third and fourth motions that we have in the Trinity. Um, And so before we even talk totally about Holy Spirit living and what it looks like on a daily basis, I'd like to talk about what it looks like uh, to have the Holy Spirit come into our lives, what that really means. What does it look like? Where does the Holy Spirit go? Where does he come from? Uh, And so we'll be looking at that a little bit today. So if you could please stand with me uh, so that we can read Acts chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Again, I encourage you to bring a Bible. Uh, Grab a Bible if you don't have one. This one should be on the screen but all the other verses we'll use today will not be on the screen. Uh, So grab a Bible if you can. One, one to five. And the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Let's bow our heads in prayer. God, thank you for being here today. Thank you for sending your Son. Thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to live within us and to be in this place right now. Thank you that we were able to welcome you and uh, just to adore you, God. You are holy. We love you for that. We love that you can meet us where we are. And I pray that what we share today, that we can learn from this, and we can share this with people that we know. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Um, so here we are. Even this first, uh, the first couple verses that we see in Acts are pointing to his previous book that he wrote, Luke. And uh, in the later section here, he is speaking of the Holy Spirit, which is what this whole book will be about. If you've read through Acts, you might see it ends uh, somewhat abruptly. Uh, They trace it back to probably 62, 63 AD, as Luke wrote this, possibly even as an apologetic for Paul, who was facing uh, the Roman Empire and maybe going to be put to death. And so this was written to show that this, is, this lifestyle, the Christian way, living a Christian life, is not an uprising against the city. It's not going to bring down his name. It is glorifying Jesus. And the Holy Spirit has come. And this is how we live. This is our lifestyle. And um, it ends maybe abruptly because he wrote up until, up until the point of what it was written for. And so that's why when you get to the end of Acts, it might seem a little, um, a little quick to get through it. Um, and then the last verse here, uh, we talk about baptized with water. One of the things we talked about this morning in membership classes is baptism and a physical baptism and how a baptism, as we saw uh, maybe about a month ago was the last time we had, uh, I guess two months ago was the last time we had a baptism here, uh, a, a representation of Jesus having come into our lives 
okay? And now everybody can see I am now holding myself accountable to all of you. Here is me being baptized and me going into the water is representing my death to my former life and coming out of the water is my new life in Jesus Christ. And this is the physical baptism, but this is, represent- this is representing what we see as being baptized by the Holy Spirit. And what does this look like? What does this mean? Um, like I said, we're going to be doing something a little differently this morning. Uh, it will appeal to all of my visual learners that are out there. If anybody ever saw me uh, take notes when, when Jason would preach and I would take notes, I uh, usually drew pictures as my notes. I'm a terrible artist, don't get me wrong. They're always stick figures, and it looks ugly, so you're gonna ha- I apologize in advance. Um, but I'm a pretty visual learner, and so today this should appeal to the visual learners that are out there. If you're just listening to this um, later in the archives, I apologize. It might be harder to follow. But what we're looking at today was shown to me while I was in Rome. Uh, Jane Armstrong, she's on staff with crew at Miami University, and she shared this with all of us. And she had heard this in church, and as she shared, she had been a Christian for decades, and she was in church, and she saw this described, and she thought, wow, I never thought about it that way, and I saw it, and of course, you know, she was doing training for the younger people, so I was on staff, so I thought I was all cool, too cool for school to take notes, and then by the end of it, I was racing through to actually write down what she wrote, because it was so cool, Um, and I did get to share this later with somebody that very same day, uh, which I'll get to um, at the end as well, so again, like I said, pen paper, get ready, Um, here we go. First of all, what we're going to be approaching when we get to the Holy Spirit is this idea of God loves us. We hear this all the time. Jesus loves you. God loves you. Well, why can I say God loves you, Christian? Or why do I I have this uh, feeling that I can own this love of God? Why do I say that? Why do I say it? Is it only about people? Is it only about humans? We can start the slideshow. Um, Like I said, I would love to draw this out for you. Uh, You can keep going. I'll tell you when to stop. But I, uh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can stop right there. Um, I would love to draw this out, but you guys couldn't see it. So I just drew it yesterday and took pictures along the way so that you can follow along um, as we go. But, and again, my art, art is terrible. It doesn't look good, but you get the idea. God loves people. Why do we say that? What about everything else? People were by no means the first things created by God. Uh, If we want to look at something with life, we can look at the vegetation. You can go through some of these next ones. Um, That is a carrot. I don't know if you can tell, but this is vegetation, right? The first thing that we see, uh, Genesis 1.11, 11 11 and 12. You can skip to that if you want. I will just be reading these. Like I said, the verses will not appear on the screen, Um, but I'll read this. And God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees bearing fruit in which there is seed, each according to its kind on the earth. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed according to their own kinds, and trees bearing fruit in which is their seed, each according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So God sees plants. He saw that they were good. We're different than plants, right? I mean, plants, we know from this verse, even, I mean, they have a body. They grow. They don't, they're not a rock It's different, right? Grass grows. It has some sort of life in some way. So what is separating us from this? Well, all they have from what we can see is a body. Um, Life has life, it grows. Next one we can go to. uh, This is uh, animals. The next thing we see, even before humans were created, animals were created by God uh, before humans. So we see this in Genesis 1, 20 to 25. 
Um, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So we see God creating animals. Okay, he's blessing them. He's seeing them multiply. They, too, have a body. They grow. But if any of us have a pet, if any of us have seen animals, they can have relationships. You can come home, and your dog can be happy to see you. That definitely happens. And they do have, um, they do have breath, okay, given to them. For, as we can see in the net, you can hit the next slide here as well. Genesis 1, 29. Uh, to 30. Let me read this. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with its seed and its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. So they have a breath of life, okay? Animals, I would say, and this might be semantics, but I think words are important, do have a soul. Okay, And there is a difference between a soul and a spirit, which we'll get to. But because of this ability to build a relationship, there is something more that animals have. And if you've read Heaven uh, by Randy Alcorn, you would see for, he gives a very good argument for the fact that animals probably will be in heaven and the new earth um, when everything is perfect. And so we see animals created. We see that they do have what we're going to say now, a soul. They have this life. They can build relationships. But... Animals still um, rely on instinct. Uh, also, my handwriting's pretty bad. You may or may not be able to read these things. They do rely on instinct. If all of the worker bees were as humans were, they would probably build a union against Queen Bee, and they would go out with a picket fence, and they would argue against their working conditions, and they would not live the life that they live. But they live out of instinct. And in the end, there is instinct and animals. And there is a separation, as we'll see in the next one. So finally, after animals, and, and I can safely say this, I think, because um, who shared it with me, she would not be offended by this at all. She is the cat woman. She has tons and tons of cats, more than I could ever remember names, and she loves animals. And even she was able to share this and be like, yeah, this makes sense in the world. So while I, I mean, I like animals too, but by no means a lover as she is. Uh, so after animals, now we have humans, right? Genesis 2, 7, let me read that. Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Okay, so this, again, the breath of life that we saw, we then as humans have a body, we have a soul, and then Genesis 1.26, this is the difference. Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish, over the birds, over the livestock, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So, created in our image. Again, I do like this, uh, this word, our. We realize that God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, have been together from the beginning. This is not in my image. This is in our image. So we realize we get this full picture of God, triune God, from the beginning. So we, as humans, we have a body, we have a soul, we grow just as the plants do, but we have this soul, we can build relationships as the animals do, but we have this spirit, okay, this spirit that comes from being created in the image of God. And if we read Hebrews 4.12, something to point to this difference between body, soul, and spirit is... uh, 
as it reads, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So there is the word, the Bible, the words of God can split from soul and spirit. There is a difference here. I don't have this on there. I forgot to write it, but 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 reads, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see this difference. We know now that there is a difference between soul and spirit. And this spirit is something that um, I'm really thankful for uh, growing up in the household that I did because my mom shared all the time about our spirit man, about how our spirit man is what can help guide us. And even as a child, though, it is hard to understand the spirit man. And she would often talk about movies. Well, why would you watch that scary movie that's not good for your spirit, man. And um, So this has even helped me think further about what we as humans look like as a body, a soul, and a spirit. This is at creation. This is how we were created. This is us as humans complete in this form. Well, what's next? The next thing that we see is sin. Sin enters the world. We see this again in Genesis chapter 3. This is the fall. I'm not going to read it all but the fall of mankind. It is when humans decided that we did not want to have God as our full and complete treasure. We did not want to put our full trust in God and his words, and we decided to disobey, eat the fruit that was not to be had, and we sinned. And with sin, okay, after this sin came into the world, God punishes the people, right? He points out that now that you have chosen, you've made this decision there is a difference in our life now. There's a difference in how you live your everyday life. And this spirit now is empty. This can be described as maybe a God-shaped hole. We see our spirit in each of us. We as humans are no longer complete. Our body, our soul, our spirit. We have our body, we have our soul. The spirit, though, is now lacking. Next slide. Um, and so where do we see this? We can even see a little bit more about this in uh, Romans 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Next one. Here we have our people again. Um, you can go back a couple. Uh, the people now, we have sinned. You might not be able to see from this. That's all right. You might not be able to see from this, but they do. They are no longer holding hands, okay, because they're sad. They are frowning because they are sad. This is sin. And so now, here they are at the bottom. There's this huge chasm between them and God up above. And so Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. When we are born into this world, we are born sinners. All of us have sinned. We all have this gap in our lives. Now you can go to the next couple here. And so the question is, how are we trying to fill this gap? What do we do? Personally, I wrote a couple of mine personally. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe in my past I've tried to fill this, or even in my present, we, try, we have tried to fill this, okay, with different things. This is what brings people into the city oftentimes, right? We're trying to find something to fill this hole. We're all trying to fill this somehow. So maybe it's relationships, whether it's an intimate relationship with a significant other or just friendships. Maybe we try to fill it with work. If we get a good job, then I'll feel complete. Maybe we try to fill it. Uh, with money. Maybe we try to fill it um, with hobbies, things that we do just to take up our time. Again, we're trying to fill this void, but it is a God 
shaped whole, and only God, only Jesus is going to be able to fill this. Or maybe the last one here, we try to fill it with religion. This is, next, next one, where all religions come from. Us trying to fill this hole. Okay, you can keep hitting maybe three more. We're all attempting to get to God. Here we are, and this is why we're, we have religions in the world. This is why we have Islam. This is why we have um, Jehovah's Witnesses. This is why we have Buddhism, Taoism. This is where all these come from because we are trying to fill this hole. These are all religions, okay? These are all religions that are trying to connect us to God, and these are religions that I am trying to do something in my own power to get to God, to connect to God. Well, there's one religion that's true. There's one religion that says something different than all other religions. Romans 6, 23 For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Next one. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. He gave his only son, so now instead of us trying to get to God, God is coming to us. He gave his son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. You can change the world to your name. He sent sent his son so that he might save you. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us in this. While we are sinners, while we are separated from God, Christ died for us. Christ came to us. John 3.3, conversation Jesus has with Nicodemus, a scribe that is trying to figure out what Jesus is talking about. And Jesus tells him, Unless one is born again, this is John 3, 3, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says, born again, how can somebody re-enter into their mother's womb? How can one be born again? You can hit the next slide or two. And again, this, all these verses are pointing towards Jesus coming down to us. You can keep hitting maybe a couple here. And now, this is our cross, right? This is our connection to God, the one true religion. The one religion, I'm not saying it's not a religion. I had a good conversation about this last week. Just because it's the true religion doesn't make it not a religion. Just because we don't live in our attempts to follow traditions to get to God, just because we believe that God came to us and we accept that gift doesn't make it any less of a religion. It just makes it true. And so this is how we can connect to God. This is how we have our righteousness. This is how we become righteous. And so what happens if we take this step if we decide that we want what Jesus told Nicodemus to be born again, what does that look like? Next slide. So now we have our body, we have our soul. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And like we just read in Acts 1.5, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so what does that look like? We can look at Acts 2.21. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 2.38. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and, make sure you write this one down, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
So when we pray to receive Jesus, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit was coming after him. So now when we pray to receive Jesus, we are now filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and completes us once again. We now have God. We now have the triune God, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit in us. We are now body, soul, and spirit. We are different than the vegetables and the animals. We are complete. We are made in the image of God. And now, here we are. We can be seen as righteous because the Holy Spirit resides in us, because we have accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Next slide. And now, these things, relationships. I'm not in a relationship so that I might fill this void. This void is complete in Jesus. So now, all of these things I'm seeking, all of these things I was trying to have before to fulfill me are now an outpouring of me already being complete and fulfilled in Jesus. Relationships, my work, my money, all of these things, my hobbies, all of these things I am now giving to God because I am complete in Christ and I now have the Holy Spirit. I've talked about this before, but when we receive the Holy Spirit, when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit, when we pray to receive Jesus Christ, that is a miracle. This is the miracle of the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. We are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. Everyday living, maybe the next one then, spiritual disciplines. Everyday living, these things that we do to grow in our faith, this is being filled with the Spirit, and this is a daily activity. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is an everyday thing. Every day we can be filled more with the Holy Spirit or less. But being filled with the Spirit while that is daily is different than being indwelt with the Spirit. When we pray to receive Christ, this mystery of receiving, this miracle of receiving the Holy Spirit is indwelt within us. We are now locked and sealed for salvation. That is how we are now blameless and righteous before God. And this is why we can now live and act in our lives out of our completeness in God. So our spiritual disciplines, these are things that we have talked about in our class. You can just hit one more. It's pretty much over now. I just zoomed in so you could see a little more. Um, The spiritual disciplines. So this is our everyday living with the Holy Spirit. This is why we now read our Bible. It's not... Oh, I have to read my Bible because if I don't read it every day, I won't go to heaven. No. We read our Bible. We are complete in Jesus. We're indwelt with the Spirit. But let's fill ourselves with the Holy Spirit. And we'll talk more about this next week as well. We'll talk more about what it looks like to be filled every single day, to live out of this knowledge of having the Holy Spirit. And then what about communion? What about baptism? Okay, baptism. We are baptized, as we read in Acts It's a holy baptism. It's a spiritual baptism by receiving the Holy Spirit. But then we also have a physical baptism to represent what has happened in our lives. We just talked about this this morning in our our class, um, in the membership class. And I think it's a conversation that is worth having, talking about baptism, talking about these spiritual disciplines. Why do we do them? Well, if we do them for salvation, we're still missing the point. But if we're doing this out of an outpouring, we're on it. And then another one. Communion. Communion is our way. Actually, I wrote these down. Our way to recognize Jesus for what he did for us. To not forget the Passover, the the Last Supper. To not forget the sacrifice that Jesus 
gave, that God gave in his son Jesus. And I wanted to read this because we talked about it in our class this morning. 1 Corinthians 11. So we have a good understanding of communion. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 29. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever, therefore, eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. So here we are. If you are with us this morning, and you have prayed to receive Christ, and you do profess to be a Christian, let this be remembrance of what Jesus did for you. We said membership classes, we believe communion is made up of two elements. Okay, we have the bread, and we have the cup. It is symbolic of the body that Jesus broke for us, and of the blood that Jesus spilled for us. And we do this to remember Christ and to rejoice, to remember our identity as a child of God, to remember that I am now complete body, soul, and spirit because of Jesus, and now I can rejoice. So when we come up for communion, we can just file along the left side here, grab a piece of bread, break it, grab a cup, and you can have a seat, and that's when you can pray. Pray through 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three to 29 if you want to. If you've never really done communion, you don't really know what it looks like, read these verses while you're holding these and partake of each in remembrance of Jesus and what he did for you. Along with communion, before, before we do this though, I do just want to make a point. With this diagram, again, it's small, it's simple, maybe it's cheesy because my drawing's so bad, um, but I told you I was going to tell you about this story. Um, I saw this in the morning, and I wrote it down real quickly so I could remember it. And later that day, uh, that evening, actually, we went to the bar. The, a bar is a word for cafe in Italy. And I uh, got some coffee with some people. I was with one of my coworkers, and we were meeting some students on campus. And the one girl brought her boyfriend, okay? They had just started dating. And so he was there, and we had uh, coffee, and we were talking, and he was a soccer player. They were looking for a terzino sinistro, an outside back, and that's what I played in college. So I was like, hey, I'm your man. So I went with him to play at a scrimmage, um, and, there, and that same day, that evening, we played at 9 o'clock, and then after we played, he said, well, you want to uh, go to the restaurant? Well, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go to the restaurant. So we go to the restaurant. Um, it was a very nice restaurant. It had a pool in the backside of it, uh, there was some patio furniture so you could eat next to all that. The lighting was great. When you walked in, you could actually see the lobster that you were going to eat floating around in the, in the tank right there. I mean, it was, it was a nice place. I didn't realize when he called it the restaurant, he meant it was his restaurant. He owned it. His dad owned this really nice restaurant. So we sit down to eat, and what do you want? 
there's no, no money problems. This is my restaurant. What do you want to get? So we decided to get uh, some pizza as an appetizer and then some filet mignon as our dish, which is a good recovery meal for soccer. Um, I was definitely incredibly spoiled. So we're waiting on this, and, uh, and as we're talking, he told me something about how, uh, as we're talking about Jesus, I was just asking about what he feels the spiritual climate is in his household, in his town, and he said, well, he and his dad kind of b- believe more in science. And I said, well, that's, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think they necessarily have to counter each other. Um, I just saw something this morning. You mind, if, you know, I think it could maybe explain a little bit of what we believe as Christians and why I don't think it is necessarily separate. Uh, and Yeah, sure. And well, so I, he got me a napkin and a pen, and, um, and so I drew this out for him. And he's tracking, he's tracking, and I think I'm drawing it right because I just heard it that morning, so I'm not really sure. And, uh, and by the end of it, uh, I didn't take as long to go through everything as I was just in a personal conversation with him. And by the end of it, um, I was started to fold it. And he said, wait, and he just took it from me. And he said, do you mind if I keep this? Oh, no, no please, please keep that, Really? And, uh, and he said, you know what, I wasn't even going to go to that bar with Ilaria because we had just started dating and I didn't really want to meet her friends yet, but um, I felt like I should have gone. And so then I went there. And then we met because I decided to go, which I shouldn't have even gone because I had homework. And then we met there. And then since we met, we both played soccer. So that's why you came with me to play. And then because we played, we were hungry. And since we have a restaurant, we came here to eat and since we were waiting on the food, you shared this with me that you heard this morning. And I think all of these things happened so that my mind could be opened the way that it is right now. And I said, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think that is why all these things happen. I think God is after you. And there are parts of this that the Holy Spirit just has to control. Why did I decide the first time I'm actually eating at this guy's place that I'm going to share this with him? The Holy Spirit is guiding. And like I said, we'll talk more about what this Holy Spirit living looks like next week. But I say all that also to encourage you to do this. It's not weird to share this with people. I would not mind at all if somebody shared with me their philosophies on a piece of paper. Like I said, I'm visual. I think a lot of us are very visual people. Our generation is very visual. So it's not weird to draw something out and to talk about it. Again, you're not forcing anything on anybody. You're talking about it and being guided, again, by the Holy Spirit in this. But I hope this helps us understand maybe if we haven't even thought about there being a difference between a soul and a spirit, that there is. And that the Spirit is fulfilled because Jesus died for us. And after the ascension, as we saw, what Luke found important to write about was not to just end it at the ascension, but to go forwards into Acts and write about the Holy Spirit. And so this is where we live now. In this age, with Jesus not walking the earth in the flesh, but him fulfilling the promise of someone is coming after me, the Holy Spirit that we now have. So again, communion, this is why we're partaking of it. We can just line up. Jeremy will come up and we'll, uh, he'll play a song. And as I said, I encourage you to come to, to break the bread, to take the cup, to sit down, and to pray. I had a friend yesterday that shared that he hears about communion he gets really heavy because he knows it is such an emotional time and a time where he really has to face everything that 
he's doing in life so that he can partake of these symbols of what Jesus did for us. And I like that. It's good to wrestle with these things. Take them, sit down, thank God, thank Jesus, and partake of these. Let's pray before we do that. God, you are holy. God, you are perfect. You are all-knowing. You're omniscient. And we love you for all of these things. God, I thank you that you have a plan that is so much greater than my own and that your plan to send your son has brought us to this point of having salvation through Jesus and an ability to now be indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And so God, I just pray that as we come up to recognize you, to partake of the bread and the cup, that we can recognize you for who you are, to thank you for what you've done, and to allow this to purify us. We love you, Jesus, and it's your name we pray. Amen.